It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. Who wants to talk sports on a Thursday? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co-host John Riley and the Christmas tree in the background as we head towards a great sports weekend and obviously Christmas Day. We welcome you to our weekly Thursday podcast from our Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Store studios in San Diego. Our podcast, we're going lots of different directions. We want you to be part of the podcast. It's brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center stores, nine locations to serve you in San Diego, been in business over 100 years. If you've got construction projects for the fall, we invite you to take a look at what Dixie Line offers. Go to DixieLine.com to find out all the values and you got projects. Go meet with their consultants. Take a tour of the stores. John Riley, we're headed towards Christmas Day. We're headed towards another great sports weekend and we got a lot of topics on the table, but Tell everybody about subscribing. Tell everybody about Fans Forum. Well, yeah, Fans Forum is your chance to get involved. And like, gee whiz, the last few podcasts, it's been so full of fans. So thank you for jumping in. If you got a question or a comment for Hacksaw on anything in the world of sports, drop your comment um, as in the live chat on Facebook or YouTube. And be sure to sign up for Hacksaw's Insiders Group. This is a list. We're building a list of all the followers, sports fans. We're sending out the best 15 minutes in sports every day. Plus, we got a lot of great things planned. So go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com, orange box in the upper right corner, sign up, get involved. It's free. Be part of the team. And become part of our fans forum and subscribe to what we do so you will get the alerts every time we post something on our YouTube channel because we do that a lot. John, Monday is Christmas Day. We normally have bonus coverage on Monday. We're going to do something a little bit different. We've had a lot of people say, why don't you have a specialized show talk about this we're going to talk about sports movies on monday we're going to post a special christmas day edition of hacksaw's headlines and we're going to talk about hockey hotline fans are going to love us (laughs) we're going to talk about the movie slap shot cool that will be on monday we will post it on monday then i think we're going to spin back and we're going to do a bonus show on tuesday coming off the great sports weekend so Hey, you got time on Monday, Christmas Day, Christmas night. Go find us. We will post a look at the world of slapshot hockey because I lived in that league and all those stories, for the most part, are true. John thought it'd be fascinating to do a special thing. So we're going to do a Christmas Day podcast on the movie Slapshot. And then Tuesday, we'll be back, I believe, for our regular bonus podcast right on man that sounds great john we've got a lot of topics on the table you are controlling the list where yes. do you want to start all right let's talk about the padres they finally got signed a pitcher here yaki matsui so the padres finally dive into free agency i think they've acquired a very serviceable guy this is a very different guy yaki matsui is a 28 year old left-hander in japan he spent his entire career there for nine years they got him on a four-year $21 million contract. I don't know if there's some options involved, but at $5 million per season for a proven commodity, not bad. 28 years old, had 38 saves this past season for the Rakuten Eagles in Japan. The fact that he spent nine years in Japan means there's no posting fee. They just sign him. Nice. If he had been a 24-year-old or a rookie, 
You would have to pay a massive posting fee. They get him for whatever the base salary is. Nothing goes to his former club in Japan. Those are the positives. The strange part of this <laughs> equation, you gave this amount of money on a guaranteed contract to a guy that's five foot eight, weighs 170 pounds, and throws max 93 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. That's kind of strange. Those are not major league statistics. Uh, but he's got four pitches. He's crafty. He will be the left-handed version of what I guess Robert Suarez will be, the right-handed version. I also tend to think, John, this might be the only guy they could have afforded at this point in time with the constrictions to their payroll budget. Good acquisition. They got him for $5 million. That's cool. I'll ask this sidebar question. If you want to start screaming and yelling right now, it's a little <laughs> early in the podcast. You know, the Padres refused to pick up the options that they had on Michael Waka, who's 26 and 11 the last two years, or the option on Seth Lugo, who had a real good season as a starting pitcher. Those two guys wound up going to Kansas City for $16 million a year. $16 million seems to be the going rate right now for mid-rotation guys, guys three, four, five in the rotation. So your reaction to the arrival of the left-hander, Matsui, and should the Padres have spent $16 million, if that's the price everybody else, including bad ball clubs, are willing to pay to go get Waka and to go get Seth Lugo? Should the Padres have paid that price? John, yeah, the floor well, is yours. This is interesting. because Well, first, let's talk about Yuki Matsui. Yeah, he's a little guy, you know, and I when I first saw the numbers, the ERA numbers were, like, really low. The guy's sound is impressive. But 5859, I'm thinking— it's like Billy Wagner, right? But exactly. He, but Wagner threw the hell out of ball. This guy doesn't. This is 93 miles an hour. Yeah, so this is going to be the crafty lefty that's throwing all the junk. You hope. You hope. And maybe a nice contrast with Suarez and that those 100-mile-an-hour bullets that he throws. So, hey, why not? This is not a bad pickup. I, I like it. Um, he's not going to be a hater, that's for sure. But, yeah, you know, uh, Waka, Lugo, those are the perfect back-end rotation guys. And now they all go to Kansas City. The Padres are the farm club for the Kansas City Royals. And Nick Martinez went to Cincinnati for the same dollar figure. Yeah, so that's the going rate for a you know a quality back-end rotation piece. So what are the Padres going to do? Get a lower quality back-end rotation piece when this is all said and done? Well, they couldn't afford state-of-the-art free agency. They're getting him for five <clears throat> mil. Maybe it turns out to be a bargain. I trust Preller because Preller's boots on the ground have uncovered so many players, including a bunch of them abroad. But at the end of the day, they might have the worst pitching staff in the National League West right now because there's a big question mark as to who you Darvish will be coming off the bone spur and the elbow. And does Musgrove hold up? Capsule injuries are a real problem. So I hate to say it. Their pitching staff looks wafer thin and with lots of question marks and very little money left in the checking account. And pitchers coming off the board at an amazing, amazing pace now. There's not a lot of quality name pitchers available in free agency. But I trust Preller because he's found players. I just don't think he has enough pitchers right now. Well, remember, historically, he would be quiet for a while. And all of a sudden, it's Snell and Darvish and boom, 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 signing these guys or trading for him. And when he had money in the checking account. Okay. 
Okay. Now, we'll see what happens. I mean, there's still, I think Trevor Bauer would be a great fit in San Diego, at least from a baseball perspective. Forget the PR side. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of those uh, those guys he sort of took a waiver on, you know, that picked up that are 4A guys that are going to be depth pieces. I think he thinks maybe the boots on the ground maybe identified some of that talent. Yeah. Well, it has in the past. I mean, he got three pitchers from Japan. And mm-hmm. I recall, I said on KUSI at the point they were spending this money on Luis Garcia and Suarez. And I said, and Nick Martinez I said, you're giving multi-year contracts at five to seven to eight million dollars to these guys. Well, these guys worked out just like a year ago. Walker worked out, and so did Seth Lugo. It's one one-year rentals, but it's obvious to me they don't have a lot of money in the checking account now to go get guys like we that. We know who they could get that's cheap right now is Luis Patino. Yeah, yeah but he, he's had he's had elbow and shoulder issues. I mean, he just got let go, but you know. Who, is he healthy? White Sox must not think so. They yeah. just let him go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, but, so that's where we are with Padre baseball looking under the Christmas tree. <laughs> I'm not going to say it's a lump of coal, but right now they don't seem like they have a lot of gifts left to give. Let's go from that to two other teams we're always talking about. Yeah, the Dodgers and Angels are crazy off seasons for both clubs. Well, the Dodgers storyline right now is they got Shohei, Showtime, Dodger Stadium. And then the Dodgers made the trade for Glass now. Big acquisition from Tampa Bay. So the Dodgers, this is interesting. The Dodgers have added an MVP in Otani and a front-of-the-rotation ace in Glass now. And the only thing they've given up, aside from money, is Ryan Pepio. That's the only thing they gave up. And they got two stars for one very good young pitcher. And they're not done. Because the Dodgers have made their offer to Yash Yamamoto. I'm led to believe it's it's a creatively packaged deal. My people tell me Yamamoto's people wanted 10 years. Nobody that I know of has given a pitcher 10 years. I'm led to believe the Dodgers offer is five years, big money, with options for years six, seven, or eight. Or... He can opt out, go back into free agency at age 30 again if his career is blossoming. But there's obviously big-time competition. So the Dodgers continue to put their money on the table. We'll see. The rumor mill is Yamamoto is going to decide by Christmas Eve, Sunday night. So we'll see what happens there. That's one story. The other story They just continue to say stupid things. They, (laughs) angels in Anaheim, and the message they're sending to their fans. One of the columnists on The Athletic wrote a horrifically critical column directed at angel ownership, Artie Moreno, that they had every chance, every chance on the Otani situation. And the, the condemnation is... Look what you have delivered to your fans. Not only all this bad baseball, now how you acted in the Otani situation. Quote, I think the correct quote was, they had every opportunity. To sign Otani, did not. To trade Otani for a bonanza at the deadline, did not. To match the contract offer when it was $600 million per year in the 11th hour, they did not. And all they've done is sign five back end of the bullpen, one-year rental guys. <laughs> so the the reality is, what are you giving your fans for next season after what happened last season? 
It, it was it was a very well-written column. It was brutally critical of Artie Moreno. Merry Christmas to the people in Orange County. And they're not spending any money. And I don't care how many press conferences Perry Manazian holds. If all he's going to give us is the same pablum, oh, we're committed, and the owner will give us money. Well, hell, we're almost through free agency, and I don't see any key acquisition. Now, the wild card is Blake Snell. There has been talk between the Angels and Blake Snell. Snell has not gotten what I think are mega offers yet, but that'll change by Christmas Eve if Yamamoto signs somewhere else. Are the Angels going to dive in and get Blake Snell, a.k.a. Scott Boris's client, at a mega banker price? So we'll see if there's still something happen out there uh, to solve all the, all the mistakes that the Halos ownership has made and how they've responded and how they're treated. I mean, I was so offended at Manasian's press conference last weekend after Otani went to Dodger Stadium. He said, life goes on. Not with any quality, not on that roster. If I was an Angel fan, I'd think I'd really be up in arms. So, John, your response about big money versus no money. <laughs> well, do you think Artie Moreno really wants to win? Or is he like you know the woman baseball owner in the movie Major Leagues that wants to that doesn't care? It's just only in it for the business. What do you think? I wish he'd just make the public statement, I'm selling the franchise. Or the public statement, I'm in and we're going to do this correctly. But he's become a recluse. He absolutely refuses to deal with the fans, with the media, and everything that emanates out of Angel Stadium up there on, was it Route 55, runs right along the stadium? Yeah. Everything's got a negative taste to it just because of how they're operating their franchise. It's just, what a disaster of a situation. Now you got Mike Trout there by himself with a bunch of AAA players and an injured Anthony Rendon. What kind of franchise is that? In a major market. Yeah, it, it's just really curious. So is it just being completely and utterly inept, or is it that they don't really care about winning, they just want to maximize the bottom line? But as a fan, if you're a fan of the Angels, it's like Artie Moreno saying, I, I don't care about you. You know, if you show up, great, we'll take your money, but, you know, I'm not going to spend it. I mean, but you it, don't have Otani now, so you don't have the marketing rights to the corporate advertising. Those, by the way, are going to Dodger Stadium. Oh, God. And, they're you know, they're talking about a Dodger Stadium. Otani's acquisition will mean $50 million a year additional into the Dodgers' bank account from corporate sponsorship. Japanese Airlines and all all the signage in Dodger <laughs> Stadium is going to have something related, I think, to the Pacific Rim. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we're going to see a lot of Japanese script, you know, in the stadium. But it, it, it's like the rich get richer, right? You know, uh, Or the Dodger way doing it the right way. Yeah, that's the other angle to this. Because, yeah, you're right. The Dodgers, you know, like, like you said before, like them or not, they are good management. They develop their guys. But, you know, the Dodgers are playing with a strong hand right now, especially if they got Yamamoto. Oh, my God. What do you know about Yamamoto? What kind of a pitcher is he? Yamamoto is 25, four or five pitches, Never had arm problems. Now, they pitch once per week in Japan, which is a different regimen than what goes on here in Major League Baseball. But he's just dynamic. Now, there's a huge posting fee. I was told the posting fee for the Dodgers, if the Dodgers were to sign him to the contract that was offered, the posting fee would be like $30 million. The Dodgers would have to pay Oryx Buffaloes, his franchise, because mm -hmm. he's getting posted before he's been in that league nine years. Mm -hmm. Once you get to the nine-year window, like the Padre pitcher Matsui, posting fee goes away. The guy is a totally unrestricted free agent. Here, you've got to pay a percentage 
of the dollar value on the contract that the Dodgers signed. So it's a, that's a significant acquisition, whether it's the Mets, whether it's the Yankees, whether it's the Dodgers. you got one other baseball topic you want to put up here on the table. Well, yeah, I mean, I think well, this is our next topic. We're going to be talking about the NFL. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Here we go. Let's find the board here. The big board here, NFL Week 16 preview. Oh, boy. we got games. And it's really, you know, the NFL, their game's going to be almost every night. That's great. We're going to have Thursday night football, and we're going to have a pile of games on Saturday. And then we got Christmas Eve games, and then we got Christmas Day games. Oh my God! So uh, just tell the wife open the presents early. <laughs> give me the eggnog. Stay out of my well. The man is, cave is the is the Monday night just the NFL Monday night football, or they have like other games Three during games the day? during the day. Oh, plus all the NBA games too. Yeah. Oh my gosh! So you told the wife just don't bother <laughs> yeah, me in the man cave. I, exactly. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk Chargers Buffalo. I guess there's a couple different storylines here. Buffalo is fighting for its life in terms of home field advantage. And, you know, if you've got to go play in January in Buffalo, that's a huge advantage to the Bills. Uh, Bills been hot. Bills have been cold. The Chargers. I just don't know what the emotional state of Charger football is right now, John. Uh, the aftermath of the horrible battering they took at the hands of the Raiders. Uh, Easton Stick now has one full game under his belt as a starter, but the reality is they can't run the football. Offensive line has not protected him. And here comes Buffalo's big boy defense. And by the way, there's Josh Allen. 377 yards per game for the Bills are going down the field. They got an awful lot of firepower. James Cook all of a sudden had that uh, unbelievable all-purpose yard game last weekend. This is going to be the hard for the Chargers. And the question is, what is their emotional state after the firing of Brandon Staley, after the whole world is of the opinion you bleep and quit in the first and second quarter of that Thursday night horror show loss to the Raiders? <laughs> so what is what is the mindset of Charger football this is the wrong team to be playing at the wrong time of the year without Justin Herbert. So this is this is not good. Uh, we got the Raiders, Kansas City. So you got you got the silver and black coming off this phenomenal pounding of the Chargers last Thursday. So they have extra days to prepare. But that is Patrick Mahomes. Now they're dinged up. Travis Kelsey's got an elbow injury. The bulk of their young wide receivers have played really poorly. But the Raiders don't have a hell of a lot of offense. And I got to believe Chris Jones and that chief defense is going to cause problems for the rookie quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, who's had some decent games. And these had games where they've been just marred by turnovers. Uh, Antonio Pierce, he's playing to try to keep the head coaching job on a permanent basis. And the blowout win over the Chargers, that was a positive to his resume. But if they get blown out by Kansas City because they can't move the ball against Chris Jones and Kansas City defense, they got a problem. Third game, Dallas. Boy, that was that was some beatdown they had. Dallas, Dak Prescott, quarterback rating 105. Miami, Tua, quarterback rating 104. Tyreek Hill back in the lineup after missing last week with an ankle. Uh, this is going to be a really, really good game. Cowboys Cowboys could not protect Dak Prescott last week. I mean, he just got overwhelmed, and it was really stunning to see the Cowboys play that badly. But I think Dallas bounces back, and Miami's defense is not Philadelphia nor San Francisco's defense. So I think Dak and the guys, that's going to be a fun throwing contest. And then the other game, Baltimore. That is Lamar Jackson. Baltimore, that is a defense that's got 51 in quarterback sacks. And that's San Francisco. That's Brock Purdy, your guy. That's <laughs> Christian McCaffrey, possible MVP. That's George Kittle. That's Debo Samuel. Uh, that's Brandon Ayuk. That's a complete football team. Baltimore, San Francisco is just, I'm sorry, it's not going to be sexy, 
It's not going to be neon lights. It's going to be gutter ball. It's going to be a back alley fight. It's going to be a brawl. So we, we got two really good games as part of the Christmas weekend of NFL games. Dallas, Miami, Baltimore, San Francisco. And John Riley, broadcasting from left field with opinions, says... <laughs> says, well, there's a lot of great games. I mean, yeah, that Niners-Ravens is going to be fabulous. Like a Super Bowl preview, potentially. You know, I... I'm kind of hoping Antonio Pierce has a few tricks up his sleeve. I mean, wouldn't it be great if the Raiders kind of came up and knocked off the Chiefs? Because yeah, the Chiefs, even what you're saying, Kelsey's hurt. He wasn't the same in the game last yep. week. He, you know, he dropped some passes he normally catches. So th- those guys aren't right. But the Dallas Miami game, is that in Miami? Yep. Okay. So now Dallas, right? They're bad on the road, or at least they're not as good on the road. So that'll be a, that'll be a one that I think Miami could be a statement game. Here, I'm, I'm going to tell you about the traffic jam here. Do you have any of those orange, yellow sleeves that traffic cops use out in the middle of the intersection? Yeah. All right. We have three teams tied for first place in the AFC South. Whoa. That's weird. We have seven teams, seven, fighting for the wild card spots in the AFC, separated by one game. Seven teams fighting for wild card spots in the AFC. Holy moly. You got Dallas, Philadelphia, and where they are in the NFC East. You got Tampa Bay, New Orleans at 7-7, tied for first in the NFC South. And in the NFC, five teams are 7-7. Seven and seven. So we got three weeks to go, and we need orange sleeves to sort out the traffic jam. Everybody fighting for these wild cards. <laughs> and this is the epitome of what the NFL is. Everybody's got a chance to kick at the can at the end of the season. You know, I, I look at the standings, I'd say there's probably five teams that have separated themselves for the rest of the pack. Mm-hmm. But man, there's a lot of teams in the pack wishing and hoping they're a wild card team. I, I love this part of the season because, you know, you, you're watching like the pregame shows. We, we, back in the day, it was Brent Musburger or it was Chris Berman. And it was always, if this team wins on the road and that happens here and this happens there, then this guy gets in and all these possibilities. And I eat all that up. I love that. And I remember my wife would be like walking through the living room and she goes, this drives me crazy. I hate it. <laughs> so, uh, but this is a great time of the year, you know, for all those possibilities. But the Rams, the SoCal Rams, they're still in the mix, right? Yeah, they're fighting for their lives. You know, mm-hmm. Thursday night football, New Orleans. Won't be pretty. Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford. Somehow, someway, Sean McVay, he'll be sending me an email saying, shut up in San Diego. I guess we're not 4-13, and 13, Hacksaw, are we? But uh, he's done. they've done a quite a job developing young guys, and they've really been injury-free. Where in prior years, they, they got hurt uh, by significant injuries virtually everywhere. But as long as Matthew Stafford is standing up and Kyron Williams, the rookie from Notre Dame, carry the ball and three or four wide receiver tight ends, they're pretty doggone competitive and kind of dangerous. Now, they, are they going beyond the wild card round if they get to the wild card? I don't know. Yeah. But hey— to be sitting there at 7-7 seven and seven Thursday night game with three weeks to go, and they're part of that traffic jam, anything possible. Okay. Right on. We go from that. Let's talk about this. Yeah, the Chargers. Finally, John Spanos. We've heard from this guy. What, what did he have to say? He ended a three-year media boycott. He's, he's refused to talk to the media like he's something special. Really? Play his first family of football and all that <laughs> crapola. John Spanos spent an hour talking to the L.A. media, talked a lot, said nothing. He made all these generic comments. We're going to reevaluate our hierarchy. Oh, yeah? You're going to hold somebody named Spanos accountable for what the hell's <laughs> happened to this franchise? He says, we have the money to hire a marquee coach. Oh, yeah? Uh, how come each of the last three coaches you've paid have been at the bottom of the coaching pay scale? 
in football. Um, this is another one of his famous quotes. I firmly believe that through adversity, you can become good. I haven't seen that yet. A lot of, a lot of bad adversity around Charger football, blown games, et cetera, et cetera. It just goes on and on and on. Nobody asked him the real question. The real question, if I were sitting there. John Spanos, you're director of football operations. You are in charge of everything. Hires, acquisitions, the draft, the coaching staffs. You just fired your general manager. You fired your coach. But you're the president of football operations. John, how come you still have your job? That's the question I would pose. Because if you're at the top of the hierarchy and everything below you has failed because of the decisions you've made, John, is there an answer? Yeah. Yeah. I, that that's the question he doesn't want to hear. That's probably why he was hiding from the cameras for three years. Exactly. Um, and, you know, how many professional sports teams where their president or president of operations doesn't talk to the media? That's usually a signal that there's problems, that they're that they don't want to face the scrutiny and that they don't have a like an open relationship with their fans and with their local beat writers. So. Every signal coming from the Chargers is negative. And I, well, he says he's going to, money's no object to hire a new coach. Yeah, money's going to be an object. Money is an object next year as it relates to the salary cap. The national media is writing the exact same thing I've said. You can't have this many players making over $30 million per year against next year's cap, even though the cap is supposedly going to rocket to like $240 million. But they've, they've got a lot of guys earning north of $30 million. Some of those guys are probably going to disappear, and I don't know whether that's the injury-prone Joey Bosa or whether it's the the bad breaks that all Mike Williams has had, or maybe they're going to just restructure down contracts. But if you restructure down the contracts to keep everybody, you're pushing that restructured money into the following year. You're still credit card bill. You still have to pay it, if not in 24, in 25. And I think the, the most galling part is, aside from what, the first family of football did to San Diego's 55 years of loyalty. The other galling part about Charger football is they've gone 89 and 95 with him as president of football <laughs> ops with Philip Rivers and Justin Herbert as your starting quarterback. Unbelievable. It's not like Three Mile Island where nobody's left and there's nobody there. Yeah. He had two superstar quarterbacks, one that's a proven commodity, the other's proving himself to be the commodity, and they're 89 and 95 under his leadership. So I ask you the question, John, how come you still have your job? The answer probably be is, thanks, Dad. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. I'm sorry, if you want to throw a 15-yard penalty for me targeting him, yeah, I'll take the 15 yards. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, like you say, there's salary cap problems but I don't I'm questioning how much they're going to pay a head coach, mm-hmm. you know, because if Harbaugh came rolling in, I mean, he's going to be expecting what, 10 million a year at least. Exactly. When he gets exiled from Michigan, by the way, which is now firmly under NCAA investigation for two major violations, just a notice of allegations came to Ann Arbor yesterday. Mm-hmm. So Harbaugh might be exiting. But is he coming for four million? No, no way. No. And is he coming if I got to work with that guy? <laughs> Because I guarantee you, whether it is Belichick or Harbaugh, they're going to want player personnel power. Right. And the power has always gone through, thanks, Dad's office. Yeah. Now that, that's a recipe for disaster right okay. now. Okay. So if you stand too close to me, you will get radioactive poisoning <laughs> when they throw the yellow flag at me for targeting the Chargers organization. Okay.
Here's a question. Fans Forum chat box is open. You're a Padre fan. You're a Dodger fan. You're an Angel fan. Join us. Like or dislike the Chargers, we want to hear from you. Because when we're done debating here, you're going to join us at the table. Fans Forum is coming up. <laughs> yeah, react to me. Uh, <laughs> so, the uh, yeah, Fans Forum coming up. You got a chance to get involved. There's a lot of dudes that have jumped in here, man, like Willie and Steve and Neil and Hugh and Dale and Angel. I mean, a lot of the uh, regulars are here in the group, but we're going to get you all involved in Fans Forum. Sidebar, one of these days, I don't know whether it will be a regular Thursday or a bonus Monday, we're going to sweep the desk clear. Maybe we should just do one day of strictly fans form content and not a bad idea you know just open the phone lines man everybody's (laughs) entitled to an opinion even if it might be wrong but anyhow fans form at the end reminder you like what we're doing subscribe so you will get notification every time we put something up on our youtube channel we want you to share tell all your friends what we're doing want you to join hacksaw's insiders group Go to my website, leehacksawhamilton.com. There's a big orange box right on the homepage. Register so you'll get all the information about all the things we're starting to do. And we got some kind of unique things planned, we believe, sometime in the month of January. So just just join, and it's absolutely free. There's nothing in the freaking world that's free except joining our website, becoming one of our team members. John, we're getting to halftime. Before we do that, let's talk. Um, about Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. Proud sponsor, have been with us for over a year. I'm not real good at hammering nails and walls or doing projects. I know you're much better at it than me, hmm. but Dixie Line can become your best friend. Yeah, there's great guys down there, you know, and, and they have nine stores throughout San Diego County, and, you know, it's just a great company, great people. They'll take care of you. I mean, a lot of their employees have been lifers. They've been there for 30 years or more. I mean, it's incredible. So they'll take care of you, you know, whether you just need, you know, to paint your ba- bathroom or you need to, you know, get some things fixed up in the house before the family comes into town in a few days. Um, they're like a hardware store and a lumber yard and a building materials. They do it all. Dixie Line Lumber. Dixie Line Lumber, been in uh, business for almost 100 years here in San Diego. Nine locations to serve you. Got projects for next year. These need to be your best friend, Dixie Line. So we have covered baseball. We have covered NFL football. Let's jump to the other street corner. We got college football to talk about briefly. Yeah, San Diego State's had a heck of a run here with these recruits. It's been amazing three weeks for that guy. I'll tell you what, Sean Lewis has done a unique job. He has just been rated the number one recruiting class in the entire Mountain West Conference. And it's weird because all these schools have lost their head coaches within about a two or three week span. And San Diego State's the one that jumped in first to hire the right guy, and he has hit the floor in terms of recruiting. He signed 25 already, 11 transfers, 14 high schools. He's saving six scholarships for what he thinks will be the spring portal. There'll be a second era in which players can go into the portal after spring football. So he's going to save some. He got two marquee quarterbacks. We talked about Danny O'Neill, a high school kid from Indianapolis, who's enrolling, will be here in January and be here for January 21st meetings and when the offseason weight workouts begin and then obviously be here for spring practice. A.J. Duffy, transfer Florida State, has got a couple years of eligibility left. He walks in. All four quarterbacks that were on the roster at the end of the season who were eligible to return, they're all coming back. Um, He got four wide receivers. Two of them were starters at other places that caught tons of passes, one from Portland State. He got a tight end. 
uh, from Colorado. He's got a tight end uh, from a junior college, ranks out here, Butte Community College. He's only got three offensive linemen so far. I think there's probably another group coming maybe when we get to the spring portal. And he signed a bunch on the back end defensively, a total of six or seven linebackers and got a bunch of athletes in the secondary. So I think he's taken a step forward. I know it all looks great on paper. They got to do it on the field. Uh, Spring football is going to be so critical because what they're doing is so different than has ever been done here before in terms of we're going to throw 40 passes in a 15-minute period in practice. 40. So he's got to get these kids geared up for the wear and tear it's going to take to run Aztec Air play fast. So that's going to be fast. Spring football is going to be hugely important in terms of getting them on the field, getting the system ingrained, and keeping them free of injury. So I think at this point in time, I'm I'm really impressed. I don't know if Aztec fan, I don't know how many of them out there, how impressed they are with what he's done, but uh, this will be very, very different. Yeah, it's it's very interesting because so many are leaving in the portal. 21. Yeah, which was, we talked about that. But now all this talent coming in. And I remember just on, you know, Aztec Twitter online, the, these these fans were furious with Brady Hoke, you know, because the whole program was going downhill. They weren't really recruiting top talent. People kept saying, get a better head coach, you know, get an electric. Well, you've been saying get the electric offense. You have something to sell. But a new coach can reinvigorate the the recruiting. And we are seeing it now. But wouldn't it be something? If we can go back to the days of Marshall Falk when you were broadcasting the team and have guys going downfield. Who was the other guy? Darnay Scott. We had a bunch of really sure. good receivers back then. So uh, it's got to be done on the field. Again, they got all these names on paper, and these guys have accomplished some things other places, but now they're going to have to teach him. It's going to be very different. It was weird because yesterday morning, I'm, I was trying to think. I went to another Sean Lewis press briefing at San Diego State, and it was really weird. I, I thought about what just transpired in the month of December in the conference. Brady Hoke, gone. Bowles, Wyoming, who did a great job with no resources, gone. Jeff Tedford, Fresno State, steps aside. Then the coaching changes where they weren't having a lot of success, be it New Mexico, be it Nevada, Reno, et cetera. And it just dawned on me that the veteran coaches who had had a lot of success, Boise State included, gone, couldn't adopt to the change. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's it's a very tough job right now to be a head coach because a transfer portal, NIL rules. They don't have a lot of resources in the Mountain West to match People are tampering with their players all the time. So for him to do what he did in three weeks to get 25 commitments and get them all cleared Mm -hmm. because they have to go to the other side of the campus academically and say, this player wants to transfer in. We need you to evaluate his transcript, what is transferable, et cetera. For them to do that in a three-week window to me is just unbelievably impressive. Now he's got to obviously make it happen on the field with what he's gotten so far. It is indeed a new era. But I I was, what's the term, pissed off? This guy's resume is really impressive. And for that many players, especially on the offensive side of the football, to walk out the door after one meeting where he met with every kid on that roster and said, this is my vision for you and here's what we're going to do. All you need to do is look at video of what Colorado ran. Go back on YouTube and look at what Kent State did when he was head coach and led them to, I don't know, 22 and 4 over a two year window. How could you not be impressed with that? Why would you bail now 
why not go through spring practice and just see how you fit? And you can still opt out in the spring if you wish. That's what bothered me, that so many kids made the decision to exit without giving him a chance to actually show what they were going to run and what they were going to do. And the other thing, the last question of the press conference, I raised my hand. (laughs) I said, if not all these 21 who've gone to the transfer portal find that the grass is greener other places, would you reopen the door to let any of these kids back? And his response was blunt. He said, Lee, I want guys who wanted to be Aztecs. They didn't want to be Aztecs, so to answer your question, no, the window was closed. Ah, there you go. Got to ask the tough question. Well, I would imagine that some of these hot recruits that he had were probably going to Boulder, Colorado with Coach Prime. Maybe he's redirected a few here. A couple here and other guys have decommitted from other places. Plus, there, I think there, everybody in high school throws the football. So I think there's a lot more kids that they can open up by, here's Sean Lewis, here's my calling card. Here's my resume. Go YouTube what we ran at Colorado, what we ran at Kent State. How could you not be impressed with how explosive and dynamic it was? So job done there. Uh, That's not the only topic in college football here. Yeah, some quarterbacks are jumping ship. I mean, I saw it in, in your best 15 this morning. Just absolutely amazing who's going other places. Oregon. Oregon calls you, you answer the phone because it's the Oregon Ducks and their great facilities and what the tradition of duck football has become, the job that Dan Lanning has done. They picked up UCLA's quarterback, Dante Moore, who opted out, which was an absolute stunner. USC, I don't have an explanation as to why this has happened, but Link Riley has lost his ability to get it done at Southern Cal. Not only was it a miserable end of the season at USC, he lost the quarterback of the future, Malachi Nelson, who went into the portal this week. He lost Raleigh Brown, one of their marquee running backs. He opted out. Uh, He has gone to Arizona State. He's lost three wide receivers. He lost this big defensive end foreman who was a five-star guy, just never worked out at USC. So Lincoln Riley's got holes everywhere in terms of depth on his roster. The other thing, Syracuse, it's really weird. All of a sudden, a quarterback changes his mind, and instead of going where he said he was going, he decommits at the last minute, goes somewhere else. Kyle McCord, Ohio State quarterback. Well, the Buckeyes are a fabulous season. A, why the hell would you leave Ohio State? Right. B, he initially announces, I'm going to Nebraska. Why? They don't throw the football. And then changes his mind there when Nebraska steals a quarterback from Georgia. So suddenly Kyle McCord goes to Syracuse. Syracuse, the orange (laughs) carrier dome. Right. Uh, We're not talking about state-of-the-art big program in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. So all these dominoes keep changing because one kid changes his mind at the last minute like Rayola, Georgia, suddenly winds up in Nebraska. That impicts Kyle McCord. So that's strange. Washington just continues to pick up players. The Huskies, really impressive. Miami, which was desperate to find a quarterback, went back into the portal. They've found a quarterback. And like I said, Nebraska winds up with Rayola, who comes from Georgia. So, I mean, to me, it has been just an unbelievable week of turnover. I'm going to be interested to see where Malachi Nelson, who defected from USC, winds up because that was state-of-the-art kid. 
Washington got Will Rogers from Mississippi State over 12,000 yards passing. He's going to the Huskies to replace Michael Penix, who is leaving. And USC did pick up a quarterback late, Will Howard, quarterback from Washington, uh, from Kansas State. Interesting sidebar, Caleb Williams has not yet announced what he's doing. Interesting, yeah. Staying or filing for the NFL. But with Will Howard coming in the door, that leads me to believe Caleb Williams is probably going to go to the National Football League early. So when one domino falls, it kind of impacts a whole pile of other things in college football. Yeah, I bet you these players and, you know, their, quote, agents, probably their parents or people they know, they could see the depth charts on these teams. They could see the writing on the wall. And they know that if if they're playing somewhere and they got a hot, like, number one recruit, then their job's going to be in jeopardy. And... Yeah, but, but Syracuse is a weird spot for McCoy to land. Who, who was there? Was an NFL quarterback that played there? Oh, Donovan. Was it Donovan McNabb? McNabb, McNabb. Sure. yeah, yeah. So it's interesting to think of Syracuse and football. I usually always think of Bayheim and basketball there. Um, but yeah, just a shuffling of the deck. Football, I mean, college basketball too, is just, it's a different sport. These guys are rebuilding a team every year. Yeah, and have to re recruit your own guys because your own guys are getting tampered with. Right. Oh, the transfer portals, I think it's a mess. Now, there's stories off the field and off the court uh, in college athletics. So let's touch base on this story because this this is a real surprise. Yeah, this caught my attention because we had talked about how the Pac-2 was going to play football with the Mountain West, but now this is the other sports. Okay, so with the demise of the Pac-12, it's now the Pac-2. Those are the two guys making the decisions, Oregon State, Washington State. They reached a deal. They're going to play the interlocking schedule next fall and the year after against Pac-12 football teams. So that's good. It's good for everybody in the Mountain West who will get to play the Beavers and the Cougars in 24 and 25. There had been talk about an interlocking basketball schedule. Oregon State, Washington State would play games against everybody in the Mountain West in basketball. That, I think that'd be good. It didn't happen. This happened yesterday. Oregon State, Washington State are negotiating right now a deal to take all their other sports, aside from football, and college baseball. All their other sports are going to the West Coast Conference. Uh, That's where you're invited to play Gonzaga and get your ass kicked all the time. (laughs) So this is a bit of a surprise that they're going to play in the West Coast Conference with Gonzaga, with the University of San Diego, and with all those other schools. Uh, So that's kind of a surprise that the Beavers and the Cougars elected to do that rather than link and continue to grow with the Mountain West Conference, but that's that's the structure of where they are. Also, there's a sidebar story to the football decision, the interlocking schedule. Oregon State, Washington State are paying $14 million to the Mountain West to be able to schedule two years worth of games against Interesting. Boise, San Diego State, Fresno State. It's a $14 million payout in to the Mountain West Conference checking account. So that's where we're in college basketball and football. Do you think maybe this was because, well, first I know Oregon State has great ba- baseball programs. Sure. And that won multiple national championships. So that's probably why baseball isn't included, right? Because they probably want to be independent for a while. But do you think maybe this is a way to sort of avoid having to play in Wyoming and, you know, in Air Force for playing basketball in the winter, in the winter where they can just play, you know, local Portland and they can play St. Mary's and you know, St. Mary's is really good, but it's going to be an easier travel schedule. That's a pretty intelligent thing. You say calling from left field. <laughs> now, that's that, that probably has something to do with it, unless 
unless there's si- a sidebar TV value to any type of West Coast conference they can get. Okay, we go from that. A couple of other quick topics on the table. Yeah, the PGA, LIV, is this, there's always news with this. And boy, the fans on YouTube love chiming in on this topic. Okay, here's the background. As you know, the PGA and the LIV, Saudi Public Investment Fund, are negotiating. They have a December 31st deadline to talk and get this merger deal done. And it, it's been really quiet. They're really struggling. We had the story this past week that the Fenway Sports Group is now also negotiating with the PGA about pouring a ton of money in on top of the money LIV is to make the PGA successful. But here's the story, the fallout of the guys jumping to the LIV. LIV failed in its attempts to get all of its players into the world golf rankings. The world golf rankings is part and parcel who gets to play in the Masters at Augusta. This year, going towards 2024, there are only 77 players available to play at Augusta. Really? Because the LIV players can't get global rankings, so they're out of the mix. Oh, Unless you're a past winner, you can't go to Augusta. So so what does the Masters field look like when you don't have marquee names because all those guys took the money and went across the street to LIV? So here's a hidden victim in this merger. Now, maybe this changes once they get it solved. But at this point, the John Rams and the Dustin Johnsons of the world will not have access because they've been expelled from the PGA, access to global points. Oh, man. It's, it's, it's just a nobody's given any thought. And all of a sudden, this story surfaced about what's happening at Augusta. Yeah, what a mess. I mean, golf is just really becoming a mess. And when you can't have the top players at the top event, that event, yeah, that event, especially, that's a huge problem. So, um, yeah, what's the solution here, Lee? Do you think LIV and PGA can merge and just kind of go back to a single sanctioning body? Well, that's the plan. And now based on what I was told, I was told that the Fenway Group is going to make this proposal to put $3 billion in the pool, and they will market all the PGA events in America and on the Pacific Rim. That's what the Fenway Sports Group would do as an investor in the PGA. LIV is putting $3 billion in. They would market everything, the Europe Tour, South America, Africa, etc. Mm-hmm. So, But it, it would all be under the guidance. The PGA would run everything, but these people would be the second in command to market this. And maybe maybe there will be a solution to global rankings in this controversy once we get to the merger and we get it completed. But I don't know. Maybe we're going to wake up New Year's Eve and here's the presentation. This is what's been approved. Maybe that's going to happen, but that's where we are there. Wow. That's just a real shame. Yeah. Okay. We go from that. Soccer fan, corner <laughs> kicked me a call on this one. Wow. Yeah, the Super League, we were hinting about this a few months ago. New news? Two years ago. Some of the unique powers in professional soccer, led by Barcelona and Real Madrid and the elite teams in the English Premier League, Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool, Juventus, AC Milan, Roma in Italy, as well as Paris Saint-Germain in France and and, and the German side, Bayern Munich, I think. Anyhow, two years ago, they came up with a proposal to start what's called a Super League. And it was immediately met with return fire from each of the leagues, the EPL, Serie A in Italy, La Liga in Spain. So you can't do this. 
And if you do this, you will be expelled, talking to the respective teams. You'll be expelled from this league immediately. All types of financial implications. Anyhow, within 48 hours, the proposal of that Super League went away. They went to court. FC Barcelona and Real Madrid went to court and yesterday won the court case. The court ruled. I know this is a court of appeals. I'm I'm not sure the terminology of the court, but it's kind of like our Supreme Court. They ruled that UEFA, which runs European soccer, you can't do that. That's, in essence, an antitrust violation, that these guys have a right to exit and form their own league. Mm -hmm. That just came down. And now all of a sudden, we're back at where we were two years ago. Those guys want to leave. FC Barcelona and Real Madrid want to leave and form a nine-team Champions League, or Super League, I think they're calling it. And they want to put on their own tournaments for the teams that are going to come. They're talking 64 teams total in three different divisions. So they would they would cherry pick Manchester City, United, Liverpool, Arsenal from England. They take the best from Germany. They now they've indicated that we will operate in addition to what you currently have with the leagues that are operating now. Right. We're not going to wipe them out. But we're taking these teams to play in special tournaments. You've got to let these teams go and be part of a Super League when we're playing special tournaments. Well, the response from the English Premier League is if you're taking four or five of our top sides and they're going to play in these special tournaments, you're going to destroy our TV contracts because you're going to get all the TV money to see the Super League. Mm -hmm. You're damaging us. You can't take our people and use our people to form another tournament Get the big money TV cut. You're damaging us. We can't do it. So that's where it is now. There is just enormous criticism, response as to what's going to happen. You know, Manchester City's ownership said in the early morning hours today in in, in London, we believe in the in the EPL. We believe in UEFA and what they're doing. But by the way, we want to go there because there'll be big payoffs there. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how it's going to end up, but... The Supreme Court in Europe ruled you can't stop them. Now these guys are saying, well, we're going to put this together and put on our own tournaments in a Super League. Wow, haven't heard the end of this argument. This is interesting. It's a lot like what's going on with college football right now, yeah. with the conference realignment. So they want to have their own league. They're going to cherry pick the best teams. But would they also go back and play regular season games in the EPL or in the, you know, the, the Italian League? Yeah, we're not taking Manchester City and Liverpool and Arsenal out of the EPL. But we're going to take those teams to play our special tournament. Your special tournament would be a global thing, mm-hmm. and it's going to get mega TV money. Well, if that mega TV money is going to the Super League, what happens to the EPL TV contract and all the other teams? Because there's a lot of disparity between the haves and the have-nots in the English Premier League. Well, could, what happens to them and their dollars? Well, could it, like, I'm just thinking creatively here. With college basketball, you know, they have those preseason tournaments, like, around Thanksgiving. Sure. I mean, could it be kind of like that, where you, you still preserve your conference games, but then you have this sort of bonus time where you can play these international tournaments? But bonus time will have a massive TV contract. And where do you think that money's coming from? That money's coming from the money that used to go to the English Premier League and Italy and so Germany. the advertisers are going to now, yeah. It'll go here rather than here. Yeah. And here impacts Nottingham Forest and all the other teams in the EPL. The, the value of the TV contract will be much lesser 
because the TV contractors go into the Super League if the Super League happens. Right. Okay, and I got you. Yeah, you're confused like I'm confused. And I wasn't real good in new math. (laughs) Okay, time for Fans Forum. Before we start, we want to remind you, we're looking for people to come be part of our team. We're talking about Hacksaw's Insiders Group. As we go to 2024, we got some unique things we're going to kind of run up the flagpole and try. We want you to register to join our insiders group. It's absolutely free. Go to my website. See that website? There's a ton of information on that website. Go to the website on the homepage. There's a big orange box right in the upper right-hand corner. Register so you'll get all the alerts. So we'll be start sending out some kind of unique invitations and things that we hope to get planned. So go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Reminder, we want you to subscribe so you'll get an alert every time we do something. Reminder. You feel like giving us a thumbs up? That's okay. We'll take it. Give us a five-star rating because that'll help us too. And want you to tell all your friends what we're doing on the podcast, Mondays and Thursdays. And by the way, don't forget, Christmas Day, we're going to do something a little bit different. Monday bonus podcast will be a look at one of the historic sports movies of all time, Slapshot, for all the people on our hockey hotline because I lived in that league. I know about that story. John, I told John about it. He said, we've got to do a special show. Yeah, for sure. So Monday, we're, Monday, that'll be the present from us under your Christmas tree, a podcast about the movie Slapshot. And we hope to be back here Tuesday with a regularly scheduled podcast coming off the great Christmas weekend. John, ready, set, go. Here comes Transform. Okay, let's go to Raymond here. And saying, uh, can we get rid of, I, I see, think he's saying, can we get rid of the Jake Cronenworth contract? Well, they're shopping, but... A.J. Preller, your guy, gave him a seven-year contract worth, I think, $78 million. Who wants to take on $10 million a year for a guy who's had two bad seasons in a row hitting two twenty-nine? The guy can play a lot of positions. I think he's probably got more value here for the Padres playing any and all positions. And maybe, maybe he's going to work his way out of the substandard bat. He's had two years in a row in which his numbers have really dropped. But you give him a glove, and go play a ton of places. So I don't know if they can trade him for a pitcher. And I don't want to trade him if A.J.'s got to write a check and pay a piece of his salary going out the door. I don't think that's a value either. So at this point, Cronenworth's been shopped. They don't know if there's any takers. I, Raymond, I think I'd rather keep him. Yeah, I think you got to keep the guy, especially since he's so versatile and they got holes all over the place. You could plug Cronenworth wherever you want, but that contract did seem very unnecessary at the time. At that point in time, like a bunch of the other contracts were, you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. That's just, I mean, we all love Jake and he's a great guy and he was a surprise, you know, when he kind of landed here in, 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 uh, with the Padres, but. Yeah, I mean, there's such such a mess they got to unravel there. On we go. On we go. Let's go here to Neil. And he says, to be a fly on the wall at that reunion last night would have been amazing to hear all the stories. We were. And, and I posted today, if you're on, if you go on Twitter, just go to Hacksaw 1090. They, they took a team photo of us, all the guys. There might have been 35 guys and women. We all worked together at 690, 1090. And at the bottom, I said, team photo, Christmas party, San Diego Sports Talk. And it put an asterisk. By the way, we all worked at 690, 1090 for Clear Channel iHeartRadio. And we all got let go. So we had a, everybody was roaring today on. But uh, yeah, a lot of friends. And we all aren't working there anymore because somebody in management decided to let us all go. But it was it was really fun. Yeah, I, I saw the photos on Facebook, and it's just a lot of great people there, you know, yeah. like John Cantera, and I, I saw Scott Kaplan in the photos. So it's just a good group of guys, and 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 the women too. I mean, it's, it, they're it just seems like it's a fraternity, even though everyone's kind of doing their own thing now. Yeah, everybody's gone lots of directions. I missed. I, I told one of my friends today. 
Gee, I wish Steve Hartman were still living in San Diego because he would have been fun and Philly Billy and, you know, the oh, late yeah. Chet 40. We could have swapped some more stories along the way. Okay, let's go here to Willie. And he says, Otani said he wanted to win, basically eliminating the Angels. He was going to go into L.A., just use others to up the price. Two-thirds of the teams can't even bid on these guys. Put teams in a division based on payrolls. Well, this is the end result of what John and I have been preaching, that there needs to be strong luxury tax, and we do have that. There needs to be a floor to spending. I just, as much as you might be Padre fan, Dodger fan, Mets, Yankees, Red Sox fan. The rest of it's not good for baseball. Look at baseball. How many haves are there versus how many have-nots? I mean, I just think the disparity of those who have money to spend wild amounts and the amount of money can be spent by other people, it's terrible. The only solution to that is a floor to spending. If you're taking revenue sharing in all these small markets, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Detroit, Baltimore, they're taking revenue sharing. You have to spend to a, a threshold. Maybe it's $120 million. You know, luxury taxes starts at two thirty seven and goes high beyond, well beyond that. But if you had to spend $120 million in each of these markets, because you're getting revenue sharing, mm-hmm. and they're all making money. If you had to spend it, that would mean, John, veteran players would go to Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Detroit, Baltimore, Miami, whomever, and they'd have better teams. And if they're better teams, that's good for all of baseball. Is it not? Mm-hmm. Well, well, Kansas City just signed those Padres pitchers. Yeah, but so, for years and years and years, Kansas City's put garbage on the field because they refused to spend. Now, everybody thinks it's great. They got Michael Walk and Seth Lugo. But, you know, where have you been the last five years while you've been raking in all this profit sharing and the TV money and whoever shows up at Royal Stadium? Well, imagine if they had a $120 million floor that was the minimum. I, I'd imagine the Oakland A's would lose money every year if they stayed in Oakland. No, because the product would be better, and then maybe they'd draw better. Ah, okay. But, I mean, I can't imagine their revenues exceed $120 million now. You put a good product on the field? Okay. Well, it's a good—you're getting $120 million because you're, you have to spend 120 because you're getting revenue sharing. Right. And you're getting the, your cut of the TV pie, but you're making the owner spend it mm-hmm. on the mid-level veteran guy who can help. It's— do you think the A's would be better if they had Michael Walker and Seth Lugo? Yeah, they would be. But imagine if those guys got hurt and then you got a minimum you got to hit and the fans say, oh, screw it, same old Oakland A's. Okay, well, baseball be better if you did it my way than the way it's being done right now. I got a friend in Pittsburgh that stole my phrase. He's a beat writer. And he asked the question in an article in Pittsburgh, how come the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Red Sox and the Mets go shopping at Neiman Marcus mm-hmm. and the Pirates shop at Dollar General. And that's what small market baseball's become yeah, it has. because baseball's allowed this to happen and the union has allowed it to happen. You mm-hmm. would think the union would want every mid level pitcher to have multiple choices as to where to go. Mm-hmm. And if we had a floor to spending in which the Pirates had to spend $120 million, I'd direct my second tier starting pitcher who can still pitch to go to Pittsburgh and that makes the Pirates better, which is better for the fan. No? No, yeah, we, it is. And, and you know, here with uh, Willie saying that about two-thirds of the teams aren't even in the mix. I mean, yeah. it's like 20 of the 30, right? But if that has been 120 mil because they took all this revenue share in the TV contract yeah. money, 
they'd be better teams. They would be. Yeah, I mean, the, there's no doubt that the for the players, it would be way better. Um, because, yeah, there's only so many places that Soto or Otani can right. play. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It, it, the Dodgers are playing with a strong hand right now, aren't they? Tony Clark could argue with me, but I'm a talk show host and the head of the union's <laughs> bleeping wrong. Let's move on. Okay, moving on. And this is from Steve, and, and he says, I want a top draft pick. I think he's talking about the Chargers here. Well, I hate to say tanking, but if you tank, you're going to get it. I think the Chargers, as of the debacle in Las Vegas, now have the eighth pick in the draft. And they still got to play Josh Allen, and they got to play Patrick Mahomes. So it is conceivable. It's hard to believe the Chargers might be 6-11 and 11, or maybe even 5-12. and 12. Mm-hmm. It's conceivable. I'll be intrigued to see what happens on Saturday. Do they mail it in? Do they show up? Can they ratchet this thing up for this coach, uh, Giff Smith? I don't know. They're so beat up right now, and they don't have their starting quarterback. They'd have a chance to win a bunch of games at the end if it were Justin Herbert. I just don't know that they have enough with Easton Stick to be able to do it. And then what's their emotional mind state? At? I mean, that was, that was the worst beatdown I have ever, ever seen in modern day. I didn't see much of the Miami-New uh, New England game or the Miami-Denver game when it was 70-20, the first, second week of the season. But this was terrible. Well, let's just say, for example, John Spanos gives you a call. It says, Lee, man, you're a great guy from the Chargers history. Oh, he wouldn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, we're going to hire you to be our GM. We're going to give you player personnel control. We're going to let you dictate the future of the L.A. Chargers. What are some of the top two or three things you would do? Well, you continue to draft athletes because athletes win games. Mm-hmm. You need, obviously, I do an evaluation of their training staff. Are they doing the right things for these players? Because they have such a siege of injuries, three years running. I've never seen it. And then I would be bold. I would go into the marketplace during the season, and I would plug in and find some guys that make a difference. I I told Tom Telesco, because he's ultra conservative. He's by the book. He's always done it this way. Well, you haven't won or come close to winning very much. But I told him, I said, well, I was the voice of the Chargers. When we had that run to the Super Bowl, we had the Seows, and they traded for Stan Humphreys. But they needed short-term veteran leadership from guys who could make a difference for one season. Mm. And you go back and you look. They traded for touchdown Tony Martin. They traded for Stan Humphreys. And those were shorter-term rentals, but those guys were players. But they needed help. And they went into the marketplace, and Bobby Bethard— rented Stan Brock, had been in the league forever, massive right tackle, firebrand of a personality. They went on the waiver wire and they signed two free agents, defensive linemen. I call them tons of fun. Ruben <laughs> Davis, Sean Lee. Yeah. Made a huge difference in front of Seau, who is directing and Rodney Harrison on the back end. Those type of short-term rentals, I'm not saying you go into the marketplace and you get assholes, but there are guys you can rent for one year, might be playing for the next contract, that could come in there and maybe make a difference. And as much as I like Telesco, he didn't do that because that was off the charts. That was off the page. Bill Polian, who he was a protege of Polian, never did that in Indianapolis, never did that. Well, you got to do that because that either buys you time, buys you insurance, buys your leadership. If I were the general manager... That's the thing I would do that hadn't been done there. But they got to get healthy, and they're going to get high draft picks, and they've drafted athletes. I mean, it's it's pretty cool, the athletic nature of the roster. It's just not cool that they've had so many injuries, and surely something's missing. 
with how poorly the offensive front has played and how come their defense just can't get it together despite having all these guys can run? You got to have athletes. Yeah, I mean, this everything is a disaster there. So I'm curious to see what they end up doing. I mean, there's some of those GM candidates that you were mentioning, pretty some interesting names. Yeah, the guy in San Francisco, Adam Peters, I think has to be marquee because he's been at the right hand of John Lynch Jr. And I think you'd agree with me. I know you'd agree with me because I'm right. <laughs> San Francisco 49 are a bleeping great franchise right now, thanks to John Lynch. Oh, yeah, it's, it's tremendous. I'm looking forward to the game against Baltimore. Hey, th- here's some comments, people responding to the podcast of All, All Fans Forum. And Raul says, yes, do it. And uh, Neil says, one day of jam-packed wall-to-wall calls <laughs> and uh, to like quote, the, quote the host get off your ass and get on the phone yeah like the good old days on that 1 a.m station would the car phone still go to the front of the line <laughs> raider fan be a man call the ladies line yeah here from baja to the rocky mountains send me your five stars to montezuma mesa okay i guess we have an idea for a future program maybe we'll figure that out <laughs> shortly but yeah we'll do one we'll have to promote it in advance so that people hit the floor running when we do the whole fans forum show. But yeah, that we got some things in the think tank that we're kicking around. So maybe maybe that's one of the special things you're talking about, a first time show. Oh, for sure. So I, I think it's a lot of fun. We'll tell you about that. Okay, let's get back here. We got some other Okay. Here this is from Michael and he says, Lee, longtime listener follower, how stable is Padre's ownership? Could the team be put up for sale? No, they say no. The Seidler family, uh Seidler Equity owns a team. They will continue to operate it. The only thing that is different, obviously, is the price tag is coming down uh, on the payroll. And uh, I, I think this is a combination of the contracts that A.J. Preller gave out. <laughs> and it's a con- it, it's the reality. The loss of the $60 million per year TV revenue, I think, is a huge impact. So, But, you know, for $180 million, and that's what I'm led to believe it might be, to go from 253 to 180 the problem is of the 180 uh, virtually all of it's already committed. To Machado and and Tatis and Cronenworth and Bogerts and the two pitchers at the front end, so there's very little, <coughs> excuse me, a little amount of money for them to sp- spend on what's left there. But for 180 million, you'd think you'd be able to get a pretty good team. But the thing is, AJ has committed so much money uh, in guaranteeing contracts going out for a decade or so to each of their veterans. So they're going they're to have to hit the jackpot on whatever acquisitions they can make, for whether it's, it's Yuki Matsui, the pitcher from Japan, or it's the next free agent guy coming in the door. But no, it's not going to be put up for sale. They're going to run it. But the dollar value of the payroll is going to be a little bit different because of the loss of the TV contract, I think. Oh, yeah. That, that, that whole thing, that, that's another big problem. But you figure every one of those marquee guys that you just mentioned – Roughly speaking, you're going to be making between what twenty and thirty million a year, you know. So you know, if it's Machado or Bogarts or you Darvish, um, or Joe Musgrove or El Nino, or, or yeah, or El Nino. And so if you just say five guys, twenty five mil, that's one hundred and twenty five right there. And, and you know, have one hundred eighty, and you have one hundred eighty as a limit. Yeah, that's going to be a tough puzzle to solve. We'll see where this goes. The guys worked magic before. The man must work magic underneath the Christmas tree with this roster. Here's one here from uh, Javier. He says, Hacksaw, Otani and Yamamoto are going to attend the Rams game tonight. I smell a deal nearing. Well, I guess you can connect the dots because Otani was at that meeting at Dodger Stadium with Yamamoto when they took the tour. I've been led to believe, uh, and again, things change in terms of the creating financing of contracts. I'm led to believe that the Dodgers offered him a five-year state-of-the-art deal, which might be $25 million per season, with option years for years 6, 7, 8, and 9, 10. And the theory is nobody 
common sense. Nobody gives pitchers 10-year contracts, but maybe they do a five-year deal that allows him either to pick up the sixth year if he continues to be a superstar or allows him to revisit free agency at age 30. He's only 25 right now. But as long as you're bidding and the Yankees are in this and the Mets are definitely interested in this, I think these are the final three that are bidding on Yamamoto. But I have a tough time thinking that Andrew Friedman would give any pitcher a 10-year deal. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But, you know, Tani got the big deal, but he's a pitcher. But, yeah, he also hits as well. That would be a, a bold move to get a 10-year deal for a pitcher. This, but so let's talk a little bit about tonight's game because this is one of the questions that came up here. And this is from uh, Joseph. And he said, who wins tonight, the Rams or the Saints? Go Puka. I like the Rams because New Orleans has got a lot of injuries. New Orleans has had a really streaky season. Dennis Allen, the Saints coach, might be applying to be a co-host on this portal at the the end on this podcast. Um, New Orleans got a lot of problems. Uh, Derek Carr's arrival hasn't hasn't made the big difference for a struggling 500 team. He's been hurt a couple times. He doesn't have his running back. Uh, uh, Alvin Kamara has been in and out of the line, but doesn't have his wide receiver, Michael Thomas. Chris Olave was hurt, though he is going to play in the Thursday night game. And the flip side of that, Sean McVay's every right to send me an email and saying you're full of crap. We're not a four and thirteen team because I said this might be miserable. McVay's done a heck of a job coaching this thing up. And by the way, I'll throw this out as an addendum comment. We've talked about potential coaching candidates for the Chargers with Brandon Staley being jettisoned. Raheem Morris, defensive coordinator Rams, kind of rebuilt his reputation after a really bad experience in Tampa. He wants to coach my head coach again. If Raheem Morris winds up in San Diego, Brandon Staley might go back to Sean McVay's staff as defensive coordinator. Mm. In essence, would have a swap. Raheem Morris had come here. Staley would go there. That might be a long shot. I don't I don't know how Charger administration would view Raheem Morris. Is he a second-time coaching candidate, or is he a retread? Tough call. That's interesting. Yeah, you're saying come here, come there, but <laughs> they're not coming to San Diego. They're going to stay in, in SoFi. I just I think it's interesting that Staley, where else could he go but the Rams, right? I mean, who's going to hire him? Well, he might get hired, but he might not be somebody's defensive coordinator. But mm-hmm. the fact he was there and had success for one year under McVay, yeah, I could see him walking across from one locker room to the other locker room if Raheem Morris vacates. But who knows? There's so many coaches out there on the carousel, so many names on the board that are going to get interviews. And Raheem Morris had been there, didn't work out. Will somebody give him a second chance? But if you're doing that, you're going to talk about Dan Quinn in Dallas. Right. If you're doing that, you got to talk about the defensive coordinator with the Cleveland Browns, Jim Schwartz. Just because they failed one place, bad organizations, doesn't mean that they can't rally it back. And Dan Quinn has really rebuilt his resume with the Dallas Cowboys. And all you need to know about Cleveland is they're number one in the bleeping stats defensively. And that's because of Jim Schwartz. So Reem Morris is not the only guy out there who had the first chance, didn't work out. Wants a second chance because there's other guys out there too. Wow, I mean, it's just it's, this is going to be fascinating. And you know, we're talking about Chargers coach. We got a social media comment here, and this is from Jonathan, and he says, "I do not want Belichick anywhere near Herbert and this offense. Yes, his defense has been great, but he cannot identify talent on offense or develop quarterback offensive scheme. Who's going to be? Who's he going to bring in as the offensive coordinator? McDaniel's uh, <laughs> laughing my ass off. No, no, no. I do not want Dan Quinn either. He finishes head coach career as the Falcons head coach with a losing record after Shanahan left and is famously known for blowing a twenty." 
28 to 3 lead in the playoffs sound familiar? Herbert needs an offensive minded head coach so he has some continuity, stability, and can grow in a system behind a great offensive mind to take his game to another level. You took up all that space on my board, and all you had to say was Jim Harbaugh. Right? <laughs> so that, we'll see. A uh, long process. You know, they, they fired these guys so early, they can't interview anybody until they get through the second round of the playoffs. The new rule is you cannot talk to anybody as a coaching candidate, as a GM candidate, until you're through the divisional series before we go to the AFC-NFC championship game. So, I mean, we're talking here at least five more weeks uh, before they can actually go through the interview process. But, Jonathan... All you need to do is put Jim Harbaugh in at the headline. That's you don't need the rest of the rhetoric, but that's okay. Well, especially with Harbaugh now, those those charges becoming a real deal. It's almost like when uh, the coach at SC went to go uh, to the NFL in Seattle. Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. Yeah. So I, I kind of see that happening, right? Well, you need to get on your cell phone and find out when the connections are of the flights out of Detroit. Coming to Los Angeles. Exactly. All right, here, let's get a couple more comments here. Let's talk a little about Aztec recruiting. Um, And this is from San Diego State Aztec 21. He says, many of the Aztec players were told they would be playing in the Pac-12. Not happening. As a result, the majority left to go to Power 4 programs. In my opinion, that's why they left San Diego State. Probably. But, you know, you have to look at the resume. Sean Lewis. What he did at Colorado on short term, what he did at Kent State is unbelievable. Why would you not pay attention to the program and the success of the program? Yeah, granted, some of these guys, it might have been swayed by money, so they wind up going to the one of the Pac-4 programs. A, whole, a couple of Aztecs wind up at DCU. Hmm. Obviously, one has gone to UCLA. Um, that, that may have been a piece of the equation. But why would you not give this coach a bit of a window Especially since, you know, you go somewhere else, new program, different culture, very different playbook. That takes time to get used to. And you only got one year of eligibility left. And what if you don't want to start a job? Yeah, or, or even make the team. Well, you make the team. But so I'm just surprised that so many kids would react so quickly to this without looking at that man's portfolio. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm not a Kent State fan. I went to Ohio U. <laughs> but what he did at Kent State, where nobody had done that in decades upon decades, why would you not pay attention to the man's resume and at least go through spring ball and see what it is? Because I think once you're experiencing what they're going to put in, and I know what they're putting in because I've looked at the video. I say, holy cow, this is pretty cool. I call it Aztec hair. Maybe uh, next Don Coriel. What do you think? I mean, well, an innovator, college football? Before you anoint him for kingdom or sainthood, let's <laughs> let's just see. Okay. All right, let's move on. We got another couple of comments here. Oh, let's talk about the Dodgers. The The amount of chirping on Instagram between Dodgers and Padre fans is unbelievable in the reply section. I don't know. Big brother arguing with little brother. I don't think that works oh, out very well yeah, very often. These guys are throwing bombs. Ger- uh, Gerardo says, hey, the most overrated team in all of Major League Baseball year after year. You know, he's talking about the Dodgers. Their columnists, their broadcasters, national media, and most fans are nothing short of arrogant. The Giants, who have won three rings these past Past 14 years are not even one eighth as arrogant as they are. One ring these past 43 years, 2020 was really short season and 1981 was a short season. Want respect? Come back down to earth first. Oh, Dodger fan, throwing malts <laughs> off cocktails at Padre fan. Love the rivalry between the two. Big difference, obviously, in money. 
What the Dodgers can spend, will spend as they draw their $4 million. What the Padres have spent, going $3.2 million. Um, if you develop it in the farm system, the Padres, I will say this, and that's why I would not make any trades now involving anybody in the minor leagues. The Padres farm system at AA and A looks really deep. And maybe within a year, we're going to have the Robbie Snellings and the Dylan Lascos and the Sam Zavalos of the world here at Petco Park. But to get from this point to that point, when those kids arrive, if they stay healthy, etc., it's going to take some time. But hey, there's nothing wrong with having a little hate come playoff time no <laughs> I, I love the rivalry you know and and granted we're the little brother in san diego you know the the, the legit rivalry is the giants dodgers but you know it, it's just good to have some of that smack talking you know i i like it oh social media is just so out of control it's unbelievable so here here's another comment and uh this this i think is worth talking about because ucla lost to cal state northridge last night and this is from uh grana and uh, granab and he says During last year's NBA draft, it was reported that NBA teams are aggressively looking overseas for players, you know, just like UCLA. What reasons were given? American players are soft and narcissistic. Kids today are because of parents today. Well, there's a better breed of athlete in Europe. It's an amazing breed of big men that are being groomed in these academies in Africa. They're great players, and if they qualify academically, I guess they have a right to take a scholarship offer from UCLA. Uh, are are we are there less players stateside? I don't think so. The one and done thing is a significant issue. That I recruit a five star guy to come to Kentucky. He's there one year, goes to class for two semesters, and then he jumps to the NBA immediately. That's a problem. The Euro player, I think, because of the cultural change goes to Gonzaga, or in this case, what, there's four foreign legion guys at UCLA. They come spend a couple of three years here. So I just think it's it's a different time in our world. I don't think that we're soft. I think we got great jumping jack athletes, but the, the bulk of the guys that are coming from abroad are big body guys. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe we're getting bigger, better men to come from Romania and Latvia, wherever they're all getting all these guys from Europe. And the next the next venue is Africa. They are developing a lot of big men. There's all kinds of academies there uh, that are now developing college basketball players for maybe hopefully NBA players at these academies in South Africa. I think these uh, college coaches have like discovered untapped opportunity. It's like the, the 49ers discovering the gold back in the mm-hmm. 19th century. That's what it feels like to me. And, you know, Randy Bennett at St. Mary's had his pipeline in Australia. Gonzaga. And Gonzaga's had a pipeline. Now everyone else is kind of cooking up their own thing. University of Arizona. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And then, you know, speaking of Arizona, did you see the game last night? They, they beat, um, who was it? Um, uh, Alabama. Yeah. And Caleb Love, you know, was transferred from North Carolina to Arizona. Uh, so that's something. But yeah, all these teams, they're just trying to find unique and creative ways to recruit. And you're, I think you're, Europe and now to a degree, Africa, that's the next next location. Everybody, but you got to have resources. You surely got to have the contacts. But what Mick Cronin did bringing in four from Europe, that's pretty impressive. And what, what Tommy... What's the coach's name in Arizona? What he's done there in about a three-year span since mm-hmm. he replaced Sean Miller. 
really impressive. So there are quality players there. Hey, listen, we hope you have enjoyed our extended Thursday podcast as we go towards a great sports weekend. Our podcasts are brought to you by Dixieline Lumber and Home Center Stores. You got projects for 2024. Looking for last-minute Christmas shopping? Find out about their Christmas gift cards. Go to Dixieline.com. you got projects. Make sure you set up an appointment. Just wander in. Go talk to them. Tell them what you need. They'll be glad to guide you. So, program notes. We're doing this, heading towards a great sports weekend. My Christmas gift, our Christmas gift to you, will be a special podcast on Christmas Day about the movie Slapshot. Hockey Hotline fans, you got to watch. And then we hope to be back here on Tuesday. We'll do a bonus podcast come Tuesday of next week. John, Merry Christmas. Thanks for everything you've done. Hope the holiday is great for you, and we'll see you under the Christmas tree watching Slapshot on Monday. Yeah, it's going to be a great sports weekend. You know, all, with football, basketball, it's going to be t- terrific. And yeah, Merry Christmas to you and your family. Hey, and thanks for being part of what we've been able to do over the last year plus on Hacksaw's Headlines. Have a nice Christmas. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. Touchdown, San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.